Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Moss Eisley Happy Hour. Uh, my Fair name enough. is Adam, and anyone else want to offer their names, or are we all going to remain in incognito? <laughs> it looks like we have Wesley Sith over there. That's me. And we also have with us Lee. Hello. And hooded and ready as ever, Chris. Hello. And uh, yes, this is going to be... Uh, this is the first episode, obviously, of a new podcast where uh, we've had the bright idea of a bunch of white men in their 30s to 40s talking about Star Wars, because no one's ever done that. Oh, shock. <laughs> and, Horror. And, uh, in, fa in fact, you know, I I've done my research. I think we might be the only Star Wars podcast. So, Ooh. you know, it's great to be trailblazing <laughs> in these circumstances. Right. It is a bit niche, uh, to be fair. I did think that when you suggested it, but I thought, well, you know. Well, you know. We're original with nothing else. There may be a couple of people out there who might want to listen. Who knows? <laughs> Um, but uh, yes, and today's uh, today we are starting. We're going to run through the Star Wars movies in in universe chronology. So we are starting here at Episode One, The Phantom Menace, and for that we can only apologise. <laughs> I will also I will also add up front. Obviously, this is going to be filled with spoilers because we're going to assume that you've seen a movie that is going to be 22 years old this year and also you're listening to a star wars podcast so i kind of assume we're going to kind of assume you know the film uh, and also, is it possible also, to spoil it any more than it did itself <laughs> that's very true and and on and on that note i would like to advise people that there probably will be some bad language in this if <laughs> anything just because of the quality of the film but who knows? That is that is not to be. Uh, we we should not go into this with a, a downward slope, but we will certainly say that things can only get better. <laughs> so, gentlemen, we are gathered here. Does um, so in terms of uh, uh, viewing. Obviously, we've all watched the Phantom, We've all watched the Phantom Menace in preparation for this. But, uh, gentlemen, any other business that you might want to have been watching? Uh, Chris, have you seen anything? Yes, so we decided to watch the, the Lego Star Wars Christmas holiday special, I think it was called, because um, I thought, I show my kids something Star Wars, we still can't quite watch all the films fully, and they get a bit annoyed when I skip parts, hmm. um, <laughs> but they did actually really quite enjoy the, uh, this holiday special, and, and I must say, watching, seeing them watch it, and laughing at parts, I think probably helped me enjoy it a lot more than other people may have done. Um, it definitely seemed to be aimed at them. And it's just kind of, it was nice to, it was, you know, an anthology with a wraparound of all of the Star Wars uh, movies combined. And yeah, it was just a bit of fun, really, with a, a sort of holiday Christmas idea. So, I, so it's not just a Lego adaption of the holiday, the, the, the infamous... <laughs> Star Wars so holiday I've, I've special. I've never actually seen that, and I will ah. be watching it in preparation for one of these. I, th um, I think, but we yeah, will, so we will be covering that. I think yes, as it's. I've, uh, I've heard that it's available on YouTube. Yeah, I've heard that, it, that that annoys George Lucas, which I think is a good <laughs> enough reason to watch it. Yes, but yeah, so I don't know. I'm not sure what the story from that was, um, but yeah, yeah, I thought they did okay with this. It was just fun. So did it, did it, has anyone else caught up with this? I yeah, I, I did. I 
Oh, and and and, and from a non-parental. Sorry, Wiz. Yeah. So I say I've not seen it yet. Ah, so uh, but from a non-parental view, Lee, how did it how did it go down with you? Uh, I found it disappointing. I've got to be honest. Um, again, I think that's the thing. It's it obviously is aimed at kids. I knew it was going to be aimed at kids, um, but from like you know the Lego movies and stuff are generally really good and they've got enough humour in them that I, I'd mm. love them to pieces. So, I hoped it was going to be more of that, but it wasn't. See, I think, I think if you went in with that expectation, I could completely understand disappointment. When it started, in my head, I was just thinking, silly, 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 but it grew on me. Mm. And especially, as I say, seeing the kids laugh and enjoy parts of it. And, and it's, yeah, but I think as well, my general impression of holiday specials are they're not top quality content. They are generally a bit thin and, you know, but they're just a bit fun. Yeah. Um, it probably helped that we'd watched Phantom Menace. Um, again, I skipped a few bits, but we did manage to watch most of it. Um, I, this was a couple of weeks ago. So um, after that, I'd say the holiday special was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, just, to, yeah, just to hint, obviously, <laughs> I have suggested that I'm not a huge fan of Phantom Menace, but actually that's not completely true, which we will get into. There, so, there are parts uh, of it that I like. Fair dues. So, Wes, have you have you been watching anything Star Wars related um, I, or? Yeah, no. I uh, last year when we first got Disney Plus, I watched the first three episodes of Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and yep. then I, I saw spoilers were on the horizon. So when the the last episode aired, we watched the rest of one and two all in one go. Ah, oh. so that was good. I think I think some uh, that is definitely my intention is to try and uh, I want to try and catch up with the Mandalorian because this the spoilers are spoiled, but mm. I enjoyed yeah. what I've what I've seen anyway. So I you know I will not perpetrate oh, those spoilers, but but yeah, and um, but more to the point because then technically we might gently slip a Mandalorian in between uh, mm. uh, Return of the Jedi <laughs> and uh, uh, the uh, Force Awakens. Yes. So uh, there we go. Uh, Mr. Lee, have you been uh, viewing anything? Uh, yeah, so Star Wars related. Uh, yeah, as I saw the holiday special um, and I did see the first season of Mandalorian as it was released uh, on Disney last year. And this year, mm-hmm. yeah, I waited until it was finished. Um but yeah, people were getting very excited on social media uh, about the final episode. So I literally, the day after, I'd realised I had to smash through the entire season in one go uh, so that nothing got spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, what a day, though. Just sit there for like yeah. eight hours and just watch that. It was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Well, we still had half of series one, so, you know, numb bums all round. <laughs> <laughs> I had my Christmas nuts out. <laughs> Oh, save them for a special occasion. <laughs> just the Mandalorian. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just... I mean, it's gone to Disney, which I think is brilliant, and I think they've done good things with the series, as we'll get into later. Um, but, yeah, like what they've done with the Mandalorian, it's brilliant. It is... I would say it's more adult than Star Wars. Um, so it is aimed at, at, at us. You know, obviously the films, when they come out, were more aimed at possibly a younger audience and we've sort of grown up with it uh but the mandalorian definitely mandalorian fits in with the empire 
sort of train. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. That kind of thing. And then it, then it gets a bit Muppety, doesn't it? But yeah, <laughs> after the next film. So. Yeah. Because I think there's a distinct, I think the, certainly like, like you say, the Star Wars and Empire, and then you get to Return of the Jedi where you get the Ewoks and mm. you kind of get the impression that at that point they've realised that this is popular with children. Yeah. <laughs> so they've thought, well, what should we do to put in stuff that's popular for children? No, just continue what you're doing, you plank. Yeah. Because that's popular with children. Yeah. Clearly. But never mind. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get the I get the same thing. I think the Mandalorians is not it's it's good in so much as it's it's sort of grittier, if anything, mm. but it hasn't got into they did a spin-off of Doctor Who called Torchwood, and that was just basically, oh we can swear and show bums. <laughs> and yeah. what's the fucking point? You know, if you still shit, it's you know. <laughs> um, but there we go. Um, well, I think um, obviously we uh, we're gonna we're gonna tackle this mountain as we uh, as we go. Um, so I've I had a look because I just thought I wanted to I wanted to get the feeling of um, the Phantom Menace and try and remember in terms of where the world was. Mm. Because although The Phantom Menace feels like it prop... In my brain, it's probably 10 years old. That's roughly where I... (laughs) But but actually, it's 22 years ago (laughs) this year. It's actually... I think it's now... The Phantom Menace is now the age... Sorry, we're now at the age that The Phantom Menace was compared to the first... Star Wars: mm. New Hope. That is a in, bit worrying. Aged species in age, sort of time, you know, in the sort of time frame of it. Um, so this came out in 1999, and I don't know if people want to try and imagine in their heads like the uh, the scroll as it goes up the the screen with the. But yeah, Tony Blair was still Prime Minister. Bill Clinton was the American President. Uh, there was in the US, there was the Columbine massacre. Uh, Bill Gates' fortune surpassed a hundred billion dollars. Um, Clinton was acquitted of his impeachment. Um, and a, a bloke called George W. Bush had announced that he was going to run for the presidency. It's funny how so, that was the worst thing of the time compared to now. It's like, well, that was a, a lovely walk in the park. <laughs> exactly. You know, this this all feels quite. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously, quite we're, quaint, speaking, really. we're speaking from this per- perspective of 2021, so everything's yeah. fixed. Obviously, it's the second of January, 2021. COVID doesn't exist anymore. The economy's fine. It's yeah. So you know, we can look back at it with 2020 hindsight. Ah! But um. Uh, whereas in the UK, uh, TV presenter Jill Dando was murdered, and that's still not solved. Um, Far-right fuckwit David Copeland nail-bombed three pubs, mm. killing three and injuring 140 people. Oh, the yeah. UK introduced the minimum wage. Gary Glitter received his first prison sentence for possession of child porn. Um, the London Ooh. Eye was installed, and the Millennium Dome completed. Mm. And towards the end of the year, George Harrison survived a knife attack from an intruder in his own home. Um, 
The euro became the default currency in the European Union. Boris Yeltsin resigned, leaving a little lone lad called Vladimir Putin as the acting prime minister. There was a coup d'etat in Pakistan. The Kosovo War ended. Sega launched the Dreamcast, and and it was also the launch of Napster. Oh mm. God! Much to the chagrin. And, but when you look back at that, you're like, "Fuck Napster!" And it's just like, "Oh no!" You know, electronic theft is the, is the be all and end all nowadays. That's why you know no bands make any money. And suddenly Lars Ulrich doesn't look like such a cunt, apart from he is. So, but I mean. Weirdly enough, and there was this thing, uh, it came up on, uh, listen to the Not For Everyone podcast, people, but it did come up on Not For Everyone that there was something about 1999 being a, a benchmark year in cinema. And like most years, there's some good stuff and there's some crap. So it's not really, you know, but um, the weirdest one I found was Office Space, which I assumed was like 92. Yeah, I thought mm. it was older. I thought it was really earlier than that. But you've got Office Space, Cruel Intentions, Lock, Stock and Toast Smoking Barrels, uh, The Matrix Existence, The Mummy, the Brendan Fraser one, Notting Hill, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, Run Lola Run, South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, Wild Wild West, Summer of Sam, American Pie, Blair Witch Project, Eyes Wide Shut, the remake of The Haunting, the remake of House on Haunted Hill, uh, Deep Blue Sea, Mystery Men, The Sixth Sense, Stigmata, American Beauty, Fight Club, The Straight Story, Boys Don't Cry, uh, Being John Malkovich, Sleepy Hollow, The World Is Not Enough, Toy Story 2, The Green Mile, Magnolia, Human Traffic, and probably best of all, Guest House Paradiso. <laughs> That is quite a year that's in film. Not bad, yeah. It's that's what I mean. It's like it's perfectly half and half. I like the fact that you've got you've got the sort of like shoddy annoyance of American Pie, and then you've got all the credit plaudit that you that went to American Beauty, but now no one's going to watch it because it's Kevin yeah. Spacey laugh, lusting after someone underaged. Although. I would argue that surely that's in the same sort of spirit as, you know, where they say, no, you should have disabled actors portraying disabled people. Yes. And you should have trans actors display, uh, portraying trans people. They got a nonce in to portray a nonce. So that was very true to the community. So that was lovely of them, I think. Possibly. Um, TV, you've got the debut of The League of Gentlemen, Spiced, which obviously bears mm. quite a quite a a lot going on here with the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Uh, Family Guy, Futurama, uh, Rock Profile, Bang Bang, It's Reeves and Mortimer, Smack the Pony, The Sopranos, Hippies, SpongeBob SquarePants, DIY SOS, Loose Women, The Fucking Naked Chef, Charmed and Bad Girls. So again, you know, a, a very mixed bag there, shall we say. Um, but yeah, I was quite, it made me laugh that I realised, oh yeah, Space came out and then it's the second series of space that quite very mm. much deals with the the, the the fallout of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> so, um, and then in music, the top singles you've got "Baby One More Time," "No Scrubs," "Pretty Fly for a White Guy," "My Name Is," uh, Eminem, Macy Gray with "I Try," Lenny Kravitz's other hit "Fly Away," uh, "Believe with Sure," uh, "Genie in a Bottle." Re rewind when the crowd say Bo Selector, Mambo number five, sing it back, Mr. Wazzo with flat beats. I'm assuming the advert was on at that point. 
uh, <laughs> Praise You, National Express, The Divine Comedy. Um, and then I was looking at music and I suddenly realised, ah, this might be where a lot of us feel a much more, it will take us back to that time. Um, there's Hours, David Bowie, mm -hmm. uh, which incidentally, first album, I didn't, I didn't know this until I was looking this up today, first album to ever be released commercially as a download, mm. like completely, and also yeah. was available two weeks before the physical version. So once again, the fuck was the end of the curve. So yeah. that was the only David the same Barry... being the first significant person to die in 2016. You mm. know, he beat all the rest of them. There's no <laughs> point when everyone else was doing it, wasn't there? Um, then you've got Significant Other, Limp Biscuit, Battle of Los Angeles, Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, Come On, Die Young, Mogwai, Death in Vegas, The Contino Sessions, uh, Hot Water Music's No Division, Yes, uh, California, Mr. Bungle, California Cation, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Slipknot's self-titled album, White Stripes' self-titled album, Moby's Play, which is famous for being for every single fucking song being licensed to an advert. Yeah. Um, yep. Insane Clown Posse, The Amazing Jekyll Brothers, uh, Supergrass's Supergrass album, nice. which is the one with pumping on the stereo and moving. Um, 2001 Dr. Dre, Issues, Kong, Phantomaz's self titled debut, Atari Teenage Riot, 60 Second Wipeout. Roots Maneuver, brand new second hand, Ministry Dark Side of the Spoon, Opeth with Still Life, Dillinger Escape Plan with Calculating Infinity, nice. Six from Manson, How I Learned to Love the Boot Boys by the Outers, Midnight Vultures by Beck, Juxtaposed by Tricky, and It Just Gets Worse by Anal Cunt. So, <laughs> you know, there you go. I think we've got a good... Uh, uh, it gives you a, a fair summation of the times in which we were, we were first exposed to the phantom penis. I think there's uh, yeah, something in there for everyone with that music collection, I think. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what. I mean, that was the thing. <laughs> is I, was, I, was, I was looking through the albums and it was like, oh, you know, there's some cracking stuff in there. And the singles, it was like, oh, so this is where it went wrong. I was going to say, when you were <laughs> mentioning the singles at the beginning, I was like, I don't like any of those. I mean, obviously, I mean. They're right. I'm only going on what was top selling. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Rather than... Because that was the thing is, unfortunately, and again, I don't know whether the world has changed so much in that sense that you just had to put up with other people's stuff more. Yeah. Nowadays, you can just lock yourself in a bin and just happily, you know, listen to your own farts from here to eternity. But back then, <laughs> all these things were unfortunately encroaching into our lives. Yeah. We were aware of, of Britney and no scrubs and... So no scrubs actually pretty good as fucking some, but that's another story. But yeah, so and then oh god, oh god, and um, yes. So I think we've got to start on a JFK note. So uh, Lee, how did you first encounter the Phantom Menace? So I remember when that you remember they re-released the. VHSs in the gold and silver boxes and they had like a, mm. a documentary thing I mm. believe was where I saw it um, and they were yeah basically when they came out and they said oh the plan is they're going to go back and do prequels but they're not going to be out for another five years or over and I just remember thinking that's a lifetime away um, <laughs> but that's because I'd never sat through an hour and two hours and 15 minutes of The Phantom Menace at that point where time <laughs> dilation becomes much more uh, poignant 
Um, but yeah, so I remember it coming out. I didn't go to like the midnight viewing or whatever, but I went opening week. Um, and I, I think, not to give too much away, I think when I left the cinema, I remember leaving it thinking that was great. I really enjoyed it. But then I bought it as soon as it was released and realised it sat on the shelf for three months and I never even watched it. I think was when I started <laughs> to realise that I might have had slightly rose-tinted glasses on. <laughs> it definitely, I think it definitely did have that. It had the right effects that Star Wars always has, which is you come out and you're really pumped up. Hmm. No matter which one it is you've watched. It's only... It's only picking over it in your head in the subsequent days, weeks, months, years, decades <laughs> that you really, you, you know, you you can really sort of, you can really overdo the autopsy with these things, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, th um, I th uh, Chris, did you, where, where were you first encountering it? Did you see it at the cinema or? So, yeah, it was somewhat similar to Lee. I remember uh, it was 1992 and we'd gone to... Uh, Florida and I, I just recently really got into Star Wars just before that um, I was into it younger but then it just really kicked off around that sort of time and we went on the Star Tours ride and came out um, into the shop and I remember I was looking around at all the things um, and there was an attendant there started talking to me and he was quite excited and said oh you know they're bringing out a new film and I was just bowled over completely at that point it's just like i cannot wait and yeah like lee said it was like so far in the future so i guess that was yeah if it's 1999 seven years away um but yeah we did go um romford odeon i think there was about 20 of us and we i think we went to the uh, the midnight showing um and i like obviously so excited i definitely enjoyed it it's a spectacular spectacle you know it's it and it's spectacular um but yeah, it's when you start to think through the details that something is lost. <laughs> so put it and, mildly. Uh, well, I, I, and Wes, if I remember it right, we went to the cinema together to see it, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And then we came out and we was in a car park, me, you and Dean. And yep. there was a stick in the car park and it became our lightsaber. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We were. That's how. That's how pumped up we were. Is we were in the car park of Raynham Tesco's. Yeah, uh, that was it. Yeah, uh, swapping at each other with a load of branches. <laughs> dun 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 dun. And uh, yeah, so again, I think we came out on a very, on a very positive note. And I think, weirdly enough, I think the thing that was the realization for me was that I'd never, I I didn't buy them as they were coming mm. out. And it's similar to you, Lee, as I think it was that, that same sort of thing as I was like, they came out and I wasn't in a hut. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, oh, midi-chlorine all over my hands. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, dear. But uh, yeah, and it was, again, it was just that thing of not being that much of a hurry to uh, sort of pick it up um, again. Mm. Um, I was I the opposite. I was, yeah, I know. I think you were very... Uh... As soon as it came out on video, I got it on video. As soon as it came out on DVD, I got it on DVD. <laughs> Even to the point where we went to London and uh, we went to Forbidden Planet and you bought me and Dean a double-edged lightsaber each. 
Yes. And then we was in the garden. My mum and dad was out, and we was in the garden setting up obstacles, and we had a tournament. Do you remember? <laughs> I do remember this. Yeah, because I also I was also very proud that you'd worked out the you'd placed um, like sellotape within because it was like the plastic extending yeah. lightsaber yeah. that you sort of go. They were, like they that, were the product withdrawal ones. Do you remember the bloke we bought? We bought them, and the bloke Bin Planet said, they turned "I out shouldn't to... be selling them to you because these are on product <laughs> withdrawal because the lights inside would melt the plastic." <laughs> oh yes, that was it. Added yeah. realism. But, yeah, <laughs> I wonder what happened to that man. I think he might be. I think he might now be Jeff Bezos. <laughs> but who knows? But yeah, no. I was, and you'd 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 reinforce yours with tape as well, so that they would because you because because strangely enough, when you give that to a fully grown man and he starts flipping out the blades, suddenly they fly off in all fucking directions. <laughs> Not Almost in my house. They're not designed for you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think I think that was the key, and probably the smartest thing about this film is by you end with Darth Maul, mm. essentially. Yeah. So that's the, that's the thing you come out remembering. Yeah. Um, so so I mean, let's see. I mean, as a film, so we again, it's the weirdest thing. You're aiming at kids. So what do we start with? A trading bar. Yeah. Because kids love that. Space Brexit, isn't it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know. It's Space Brexit in which what I can only I mean, I mean, again, there's 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 a worrying trend in a, in certainly in the Phantom Menace, there is a worrying trend in so much as you seem to have a bunch of Japanese frogs. Mm. Yeah. Um, running the trade organization. Then you have a Rastafarian frog, and then you've got the blue guy, Watto, who is racist, but I'm not sure who to. <laughs> it just seems to be most of Europe. But it's yeah, so there's a there's a there's a few accents and things where you think, hmm, this seems a bit, a bit questionable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, so I thought, like, to compare them, and I, I try not to compare it too much, but I think they did quite well with the original films in making some unusual accents and languages that did, you couldn't really tell what they were meant to be, and they worked. And yet in this, yeah, they made them almost sound too real, too similar to actual languages. And, it, yeah, that yeah. Lost, yeah, it lost something in doing that. Because I suppose it's also that thing which Star Wars actually manages to avoid, certainly in the expanded universe side of things. But there is, a, I mean, there is an inherently sort of xenophobic streak in sci-fi whereby, you know, planets, they're all the same. <laughs> you don't get, you, do you know what I mean? You get like, it'll be like, they're a proud and warlike race. It's like, well, who's doing the fucking accounts thing? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, they can't all be fucking up for up for a punch up. Yeah. Because how do you run that? That just yeah. doesn't make any fucking sense. Although I did so, think you know, you, I did the um, Naboo, Nabooians, um are meant to be peace loving, and yet they've all got hidden weapons inside their chairs. Yeah, in your throne. <laughs> yeah. How fucking paranoid <laughs> do you have to be? Well, my question, the thing that got me oh, more than anything, paranoid enough. Sorry. 
No, go on. I say paranoid enough to have someone pretend to be you on the throne for ninety-five percent of the film. <laughs> to, to be honest, if I could get someone to represent me on the throne, it'd be a fucking blessing. I'd get a lot more done. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd get Kira Knightley to represent me though on the bog. <laughs> I, I, he well, hasn't got I the hips I'm, for it. I, I didn't realise that was Kira Knightley. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, apparently, at one point, her mum didn't know the difference. <laughs> oh, I don't feel too <laughs> bad then. Because I was because I was trying to work it out because again I'm not sure when it's Kira Knightley and when it's Natalie Portman and whether it's you know once oh. Natalie Portman is a handmaiden he's I everything else much... with Kira Knightley. Yeah, I didn't think it was her after that at all, and until right but... at the end. Yeah, it's Kira Knightley when they meet the um, Gungans as well. To yeah, start yeah, mm. that's right. That's right. So but that's apparently, been... oh, sorry. Go well, on, I was going to say that was going to be my question. You were saying about the Gungans and you know, like how you know the Naboo <laughs> are yep. supposed to be peace loving and yet they're all hiding all these weapons. My biggest thing was the Gungans who cannot breathe underwater. Admittedly, they can swim longer than you know than the Jedi mm. could, but they can't breathe underwater. So why did they decide to build cities and live <laughs> underwater? Where, where was the benefit of that? The fun. Crazy but people. For shits and giggles, and also just to avoid the other lot who are clearly people. fucking paranoid. <laughs> I mean, do you, it'd be like, do you want to hang around this bunch, this jumpy bunch of fucking humans? No, nah, let's go and live under the water, mate. It's less hassle. Yeah. You know. But I think that... Because I didn't realise as well that apparently they, they pitched... They pitched down. I, I can't remember whether it's they pitched down Natalie Portman to sound like Kira Knightley or vice versa. Mm. But that's why whenever she's the queen, it always sounds a bit sort of stilted. Yeah, like a bad there will be no Although, although that doesn't explain why Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson and everyone else also sounds a bit stilted. Yeah, I think that might. In fairness, <laughs> I think. And this, this is something that, again, George Lucas, thank you for making Star Wars. Thank you for creating yeah. the universe and thank you for letting other people play in it. But I don't think that George Lucas is an actor's director. All the, well, they all, say all that, the cast, don't they? <laughs> yeah, all the cast always say that, like, they go to George Lucas and he's like, just stand there and say it. Yeah, I kind of need more than that. I th actually, I tell you what, and this is something that the new films have kind of done, like the the the, the latest trilogy, uh, the Disney trilogy, shall we refer to them? I suppose, because um, obviously the original trilogy, the the cast are pretty much unknowns, mm -hmm. and similarly, like Daisy Ridley wasn't a big star. I think like John Boyega had done attack the block but that was you know that and a mm. couple of other bits but they, they weren't like proper big names whereas when they did the phantom menace it's packed with like people you know yeah some of the best actors mm. doing some of their worst performances and i wonder if i wonder if that's the thing you know is it suddenly mm. you know these people are being cut adrift and it's like shit i thought i was you know because like for example liam neeson apparently signed up before he read the script just because he yeah. really likes yeah. Star Wars, and I can I can understand that, but I bet there were a few days when it was like, 
Should have read this, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, like, I mean, even you get like minor parts, like you've got, um, uh, what's his name, like Ralph Brown from Withnall and Stoker yeah. is, is a pilot in it. And you've got, and well, I mean, even like, I mean, obviously she goes on to be bigger, but like Kira Knightley in a fairly sort of minuscule role that you don't even realise. Had realize. she done Pirates? I, no, I don't think I don't no. think Pirates of the Caribbean. No, Pirates hasn't been done yet. Then. No, but I mean it's, but pretty much sort of. I mean, every, yeah, Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor. Um, in fact, probably. Uh, I mean, even well, Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, fucking hell, yeah. in nineteen ninety nine, Samuel L. Jackson was. Like, I mean, he's still a huge name, and actually, a man who's done very all right for himself. Yeah, mm. I'll have three. I'll have three Star Wars and a fuck ton of Avengers movies, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I shall just retire to my own private island made of gold. <laughs> so, kudos to Mister Mister Jackson, I think. Yeah, and let's but, not forget you saying about the star-studded cast. I did. I don't. I can't remember if I spotted her before or this was the first time. One of the pilots at the end, uh, when they go on that skirmish, uh, is Celia Imri, who's Babs from yeah. Aquaman Antiques. Yes, yeah, and from like and and right at the very beginning is so right at the very beginning when they go for the trade negotiations, the woman pilot in the sort of like the blockadey runner type craft, she was the mm. one in the commitments. Yeah, the Irish, the Irish one who's also who's yeah. also in Pulp Fiction. She turns up yeah. in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and again, yeah, there's there's like a lot of really fucking big like, Whereas I think that. And I think maybe that's why a lot of people have gone and going, what's happening here? Because yeah. you went to see the original, directed by George Lucas. You didn't know what Mark Hamill or mm. Carrie Fisher really, you, you don't know what their performances were like. Yeah. Whereas this, it's like, I have definitely seen Liam Neeson better than this. Yeah. I have definitely seen Hugh McGregor <laughs> better than this. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a pity because I think everyone's, I think everyone's coming at it from the right place because i think everyone everyone's everyone's obviously leapt on it because well it's star wars so it's a license to print money but also everyone's like yeah i want to be in fucking star wars of course i do i mean even down to the fact that in like you've got things like when daniel craig turns up as a stormtrooper in the false awakens and things like that and yeah that's like no one needed to know and it doesn't matter at all to the fucking plot no. But it's just sort of like, yeah, can I be in Star Wars? Well, you can be a Stormtrooper. Yeah, all right. <laughs> that's that's the level of love that the that these these bring out. I also think it's a very interesting fact that apparently Phantom Menace is the um, made the has made the most money or was mm. like the best uh, had the biggest box office of any of the Star Wars films. Yes, and I think it is that anticipation. But then I also think. Ah, but then it dropped off, didn't it? Yeah. Where a few people, where a few people were like, yeah, I'll wait till it's on video. Yeah, I'll wait. But to try and bring but, a bit of balance to the force. Um, yeah, like I think uh, what I like about it overall, I think it is a fun film and it is good mm. entertainment. If it probably if it was a bit shorter, um, but you know, essentially, it does have some good ideas of the political intrigue potentially is a great idea. I did like the, to see Emperor Palpatine and his story. Um, pod racing was a, a fun segment. 
Um, you've got the space battles. And, and I did like, and I think this helped watching it with my kids, the comedy aspect, it definitely worked. So they, where I hated Jar Jar, they quite liked him. And I realised, okay, he absolutely is aimed at someone who just wants to see a bit of slapstick silliness. That's fine. I, th- I think because I, I remember, I think when, I certainly I think when, when I saw it and I think sort of sort of me, Wes, Dean, I think Bust was with us as well. And I think we, we all initially were like, oh, Jar Jar's quite funny. And then it was like, he's, he's, no, he's staying in the <laughs> fucking field, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's... You know, if he's, you know, it's like, you know, much in the same way as it's like, if it had been like a sort of creature cantina's worth mm. yeah. of Jar Jar yeah. and even the Gungans, because they're all a bit... Mm. It's like, yeah, look, I can create a whole army in CGI. Doesn't mean you should. Yeah. See, it's funny, a whole army in CGI. Did you notice there's two shots where you see them coming over a hill and that was the default background on Windows XP in 1999, I'm pretty sure. Mm. <laughs> it looks exactly yeah. like that hill. <laughs> There is something weird in this as well, which I did find, which was even when, and I don't know, I, I'm not entirely sure where they filmed the the hill stuff. Mm. I'm kind of assuming it looks a bit like it could be Ireland. It might even be England, I don't know, but it looks sort of quite, um, for want of a better phrase, it looks a bit fucking ordinary. Yeah. And so immediately... You, especially when you've got a film, you've got a film on this scale. And let's face it, there is no, you know, the 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 money that is spent in this film is on mm. show. Yeah, there's no, yeah. you know, they haven't sort of they haven't wasted that on all the names. They've definitely, you know, everything's there. But as soon as they're just like all stood around a sort of little plastic shuttle that someone's cobbled together and they're under a tree and it looks like they're in a field in Brentwood. <laughs> Fuck me, it suddenly looked really cheap. Yeah. And you, look, and you yeah. just can't, and I don't know what it is. I think it's just that, it was, you know, Naboo's uh, sort of surroundings, like all the sort of foresty stuff, maybe it's just a bit too England. So it was like, it just felt, it feels, falls a bit flat after you've had like, the Tunisian desert, Tunisia. ice plains, and uh, Endor. Not, not long and stuff after like Phantom, sorry, not long after Phantom Menace came out, there was that Dune TV series that was on the Sci-Fi oh, yeah. Channel, and mm. they seemed to perfect the sort of CGI backgrounds, in my opinion, a lot better than Phantom Menace mm. did. Because well, there is a lot of things. It looks too clean. Looks fake. Yeah. Mm. Well, we, we 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 went to see it in 3D, didn't we, Lee, at the IMAX? We did indeed, yes. Uh, you treated me, I believe, actually, so thank you for that. You're very well. uh, but the weirdest thing was is that in 3D, any time that it was the CGI backgrounds, you still had you had depth, but it was like people standing in front of flats, like mm. it looked like they were standing in front of painted backdrops. Yeah, because obviously you can't grade the depth into what is basically a superimposed image. And so there's certain bits where they are just walking against a background. Do, like do you a think drop rather than like, a do you think using that much technology is what caused it some problems? Because I imagine that was kind of new to the actors, that level of green screen. Hmm. 
Well, I know Ewan McGregor said that uh, he said that his job on this film consisted of walking into rooms and looking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's probably not the most fun. That's not probably not going to bring out your best acting. I, get, well, you can, I, well, I know we've perfected it now, but one of the things I did make a note of is how little Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor managed to make eye contact with anybody mm, because anything yeah obviously now they put an actor in a green suit and you look at the actor and they put the, but well, they didn't seem to be doing that so they were just like just imagine somebody's there so they just look well, randomly what they, all over the job if you if you can if you google it what they did with the put the guy who plays Jar Jar Binks was on set mm, and they put yeah. basically they wrapped a plastic tube on top of the poor fucker's head <laughs> and balanced like a sort of puppet Ed the Duck sort of thing on the end of it. Well, originally so he was going to originally was going to perform it with the latex sort of mask on top, and we're going to CGI out his face and just animate that. But it was easier mm. to do full body replacement than it was to to try and just animate yeah, the face. Tinker yeah. around with that, yeah. Which now they probably incidentally though with Phantom Menace, although there's a lot of green screen stuff. It's the only, it's the Star Wars film that's had the most model effects built for it. That's all sets and uh, spaceships because they're not CGI. They've mm. been digitally and they, processed. And they look good for it, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I, you know, again, it's, you can't really, you can't really fault the, 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 the space stuff. You know, everything. The, yeah, the production of it. Great. Yeah. And actually, I mean, and certainly I think, also, like George Lucas kind of said that he wanted to do it as a period piece mm. against the uh, like the original trilogy, mm. and I think they kind of do. I think they do that well, in so much yeah. as everything's a bit cleaner, you know. <laughs> so it feels like it's like you're harking back to sort of like a time of great empire before it all goes to shit, and everyone's yeah. like. Muddling around under an under a um, sort of oppressive government. Yeah, well, that, but, that was the intention. Is is that in mm. the past you had the individuality until the empire came and stamped mm. everything out. The similar utilitarian, you know, functional equipment that everybody had the same in each world. I've also I've also seen some. I also saw a few things where people were saying about like the reason that Qui Gon's a bit sort of Johnny bollocks with everything is kind of he's not he's not going to be able to survive the changes that occur in so much as he's quite optimistic hmm. whereas the yeah. rest of the Jedi Council are all like sort of like nah don't like this don't like it <laughs> you know like so, like someone's brought in a poodle like, oh, don't like it don't <laughs> like it go away but um and so it's you know again that's an interesting thing where it's like he's meant to be sort of like of an old generation of Jedi whereby it was like yeah we just we go in and we solve problems don't we yeah you know yeah. and uh, everything everything will be fine and he's got that sort of unutterable confidence about him um, and obviously I mean there's there's the key obviously you get the key line spoken by Obi Wan in this one which is uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. yeah, which he immediately is like, "Oh, what are you worrying about?" And then it's like, "Oh, we're being gassed." 
and attacked by droids and attacked by more droids. And, you know, it's sort of, yeah, I think you should listen to him, mate, really, because he might have, because, I mean, frankly, what you what you discover is that unwittingly Qui-Gon basically fucks the universe for the next 40 years. Yeah. Because he's the one who sort of, you know, because otherwise Anakin Skywalker would have lived and probably died mm. as a slave on Tatooine. But he sort of, he comes along and he's like, oh, he's midichlorians and right off, the, right out the roof they are. So we'll, we'll, we'll tag him along and it doesn't end well, shall we say. Yeah, you know? he does bring balance to the force. Yeah. 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 The, the prophecy. Because he, yeah, because he basically whittles it down to three. So... <laughs> Well, even that's debatable now, isn't it? So yeah, that's true. See, I think I, that's of all the things that bugged me in the film is I remember getting really arsy at the end when it was the Sith, and it's like there's only ever two. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake! Because <laughs> I, I was waiting for a, you know the the next film or the next film at one to have a fucking showdown with a bunch of Sith. Yeah, big gang of them. <laughs> yeah. And also, it does seem a bit weird because it's like, so what does that mean? Have you got what is so is Christopher Lee on the subs bench? <laughs> you know, you can't be a Sith. Sorry, mate, you can't be a Sith unless someone kills the geezer with the tattoos or well, me. And in, that the, in, the ex- in the extended sort of universe, Maul obviously wants to, he still calls himself a Sith until mm. he discovers that the Emperor is training uh, Darth. Trianus, who is mm. Count Dooku. Oh, it's Dooku, and, yeah. Yeah, so then he goes and does his own splinter thing and ends up, well, we'll get to that when we come to it. I was going to say, I did, but, but to what Chris said as well, um, like, I know obviously we are being very negative about this film. Uh, don't worry, people, we, we will get more uh, more pleasant towards the franchise as the films go on. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it, you can't question. It goes straight in with the action right from the off. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. Um, yeah, the, the two Jedi land on the trade ship. And as you say, drones and fighting and chaos. Um, and, and the end as well. The Darth Maul fight at the end is great. It's just that two hours between all that. Like, but I like the pod racing. I oh, thought that I, was good. Yeah, yeah. I found the pod racing. I was like, how can you make super fast racing boring? I've no idea, but like, uh, even Anakin looks bored. If you look at his face when he's supposed <laughs> to be flying that thing, he literally looks like he looks like he's in geography class. I'm like, come on, kid, wake up, God! See, that was when when I we got a surround sound system at home when that first came out on DVD, and I put it in, and like the bit I really wanted to experience was surround sound in my own home, watching the pod racing <laughs> bit, especially when Sebulba's ship. Comes out, you got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I quite enjoyed the pod race. Like again, I think um, you know my kids enjoyed it. It was, it is. There's an element of probably just not expecting too much, and just I guess there's a lot of enjoying. Like you know, you just mentioned the sound effects and just the Mm. way it looks without worrying too much about the details. Um, otherwise, yeah, there's a lot that you can pull apart. <laughs> yeah. See, I think I think it's good that they did retain because they they have the same. Obviously, they have John Williams doing the score again, and they have mm-hmm. um, the, the original sound designer 
on this as well, uh, which you can really tell. I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, the pod race, watching that in the cinema, oh, that was that was like one of the best albums I've never owned. <laughs> when you've got going from that, when you've got Sebulba's pod going mm. from here to here, and, yeah, and yeah, it's and actually, I mean, the pod race. Pod race is kind of because um, that's one thing I was thinking about is we can we can definitely play spot the computer game. Yeah, yeah, um, that is because because even, even even a new hope did end up obviously as an arcade machine, so uh, as an arcade game, and I think mm. that all of them to a greater or lesser extent, much more so Phantom Menace onwards, that there are parts where they're thinking right, what this this you know which bits the computer game bit and obviously the pod races but i would also argue the bizarre um barriers that they all get locked in <laughs> that feels yeah, that, very the, like a bloody the lego game. game it's got all that yes. in the lego yeah mm. i love that also one another one of my favorite computer games was super bombard racing which was a pod it was on a playstation 2 it was a racing game and you're just in pod racers just played it oh, for right. hours. <laughs> it, was, it came out and I was like, oh, space wacky races. How can this not be exciting? And it just was. I don't know how they drained the life out of that scene. I just found it. <laughs> I've never heard oh. it called that, but yeah, it is, isn't it? Space wacky, space wacky races. Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> and, also, and also, the good thing is, you can do, Yogi you can Bear. Play... There's a series <laughs> called Yogi Bear Space Race, which is. Wacky races in space. <laughs> so yeah, more parallels. <laughs> I would like to. I would uh, also uh, remember at the pod race you can play the the Star Wars drinking game of drink every time you spot um, Warwick Davis. Yeah, because yeah. he's one of the guys betting with Watto as well as um, one of the, the the baby Greedo who yeah. is a mate yeah, of Rodonian. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's again one of the things with the pod race is the vo- the the commentary pisses me off. Oh yeah, I must oh, admit, Greg Proops. Yeah. yeah, and I love Greg Proops. I think he's brilliant, but yeah, it just is like, oh god. <laughs> uh, again, maybe it's just that thing of when it's a bit too close to to Earth. Mm. That I sort of think I lose. Maybe that's when I lose the sort of the the plot with it a bit. But I think that's, that that's the, sorry. I was sorry. Uh, no, go on, man. The uh, a lot of comedians doing voices in a Phantom Menace. You got yes. Sarah Fanowitz. You've also yeah. got uh, Harry Seacombe's son playing Watto, and oh, you, yes, the other one who played Sebulba. Yeah, yes. and you got Sebulba. He was a comedian, but I can't for life remember what he was in. Yeah, he was a young guy. fella. But um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, he's Scottish, and I can't. No, I can't. I can't place him at the moment either. But he, yeah, Lewis and Cloud played Sebulba. Ah, right, okay. But again, I think it's just it's much like the original trilogy. They film it over here, so it's just sort of like, well, it's easier to get in. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. You know. Mm. For, for example, you want you want you want an American, so you get Greg Proops in because Greg Proops lives over here. So yeah, you know, so he, he can he can do that he can do that voice for you. He fucking shouldn't, but he can. <laughs> when you watch and like also, the making of, and you see the animatics for the, um, you know, when they go through the planet's core, 
Yes. In the film. When you look at the animatics for that, they get that guy who was in uh, that Doctor Who episode, Love and Monsters. You know his name. Played Elton. Oh, Mark Warren. Mark yeah, Warren. he's actually a stand-in in the animatics for um, Ewan McGregor. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Oh, fair play. Fair play to the lad. That's very good. <laughs> I mean, we've got... Because, I mean, yes. I mean, actually, I've been watching a lot of Spongebob with Ted, and that the Spongebob movie does adhere very much to There's Always a Bigger Fish, <laughs> uh, that, which, which is quite good. Um but also, I think I'm um, trying to. Uh, pardon me for a moment. As we that says crucifix knob. I'm not reading that. Right, <laughs> you just did. <laughs> oh damn! I have. Oh god! Oh no! Oh, oh what a life! Oh. Um, oh, actually, that's something. That is an. Again, we'll get to the bits we like. But I fucking hate that Anakin made 3PO. <laughs> yeah. It's bloody pointless. Yeah. You know, it's quite, it'd be quite nice that R2's in it. And then it's like, also, yeah. 3PO's in it and literally for no fucking purpose. Yeah. Well, uh, and Anakin says he built him to help his mum, but what, she needs a protocol droid to help run the house? I made exactly the same note. <laughs> yeah. Who is she pissing off? <gasps> it's like, she needs somebody. <laughs> To stop D- her from everybody. My wife yeah. made the protocol. I'll, I'll, I'll be yeah. honest. All the cleaning products are written in botching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering that she may need someone to translate visitors to the home, and she doesn't know who Anakin's dad is. Face pimp. I'm just leaving it there. Robot, saying, well, Han you know. Solo did call him Goldenrod. <laughs> oh yes, mm, might be saying there. Yeah, I reckon. I, I reckon it could be because um, the because false false um, things don't work on Watto. I reckon he could be Anakin's dad, and they never show you Anakin's knob, but he might have a blue trunk for a knob. It might have wings. A mouth at the end of it. You know, I don't why understand why they had to have the the, the um, immaculate conception thing. Like, I don't get what that added to the story. And equally, yeah, like the whole midichlorian yeah. bullshit science. We know what the false is. There was never a bacteria linked to it or some kind of crazy like nonsense before. It was just the false. The we were all fine with it. Why did you have to go and like? Add a scientific see, what, backstory. I don't get it. See, watching it, watching it again. I, I was trying to work out this time round. Are they saying that it's the midichlorians that make you, that give you an affinity with the false, or that the midichlorian count is a byproduct of you having an affinity with the false? They never explain it's, it. It's nonsense. As far as I know, <clears throat> in the film, it's described as a living organism in the blood that channels the force to you. Ah, so you have to have it. How you learn so to you have it. to have it. It's mm. not something whereby it's it gets not created like, when you use the force. Yeah, it's not like the funny mm. walk with cystitis. It's yeah, it's <laughs> it's part You've of. You got yeah. it or you ain't. Yeah, yeah, and I got it. <laughs> one set. I mean, this is the thing as well. Is weirdly enough, like you say, you go down the immaculate conception route. So 
everyone's like, oh, Anakin's Jesus. Yeah. Only Jesus didn't turn into Pontius fucking Pilate. <laughs> or <laughs> fucking Herod Antipas, which is kind of what, <laughs> you know, is that sort of the plot in that sense? I say, is actually a, a, a line in this where the, where um, Ewan McGregor says to Liam Neeson, do you think he was produced by midichlorians? So he's implying that somehow the midichlorians in her blood has made her asexually reproduce. Apparently the, there's also yeah, something... I think the line is in the Jedi Council when they actually say that that is part of the legend of being made of purely ah, from okay. midichlorians. That, oh, I don't yes. think it's actually established whether he is, but that's part of the legend of the Chosen One. Ah, okay. Because I, I, and also there's and again I don't know because I mean Wes you might be able to enlighten me you're very good on extended universe but there's something about it might even be um, Palpatine manipulating the Force to get her up the duff or something like that. Yeah, and, that's uh, I've something to do with the Darth Plagueis. Can't really pronounce the name <laughs> the story, oh, yes, which yeah. is the geezer that Palpatine does in who apparently could hold back death. Right. Oh, but that's, oh, that's in the third it. film. <laughs> right, okay. But that is, it's enough. a story connected with him and that, and I, I don't 100% know, but I, that's all I know of it. Right. I'm sure... Because, so I guess that again, would make it more... Us. That possibly would make it better if it was Palpatine that had had a hand in it. Again, this is all stuff you have to worry about. Yeah. to <laughs> excuse the film... <laughs> rather than it be presented in the film. It's what people have done to explain mm. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, like I say, it's in a, in a way, I think it's something that the series should have tried to get away from uh, in terms of like everything being interconnected. Like when you find out that Yoda's Chewie's mate from way back at one yeah. point and so things uh, like that. Um, but, and again, I think, I do, I do think that technically you meet three families in the entire fucking nine films because everything's interconnected somewhere and everyone's yeah. like the spawn of someone or possibly connected to this one. And it's sort of, yeah, it does seem a bit weird. But, I mean, I'm going to ask gentlemen, I would say that there is, there's probably, what is your tedious bit of trivia or the one that you've always heard trotted out for Phantom Menace specifically, if you have. Um, if you want, I'll go first. And I'll say the interesting fact that Ewan McGregor's uncle is uh, Wedge Antilles ah. in real life. Is it? the actor Dennis Lawson. Mm. So, yes, there you go. That's, That's trivia. Yeah, there's a bit of trivia. Bit triven tribulations. My, I don't know if anyone bit, else has anything. Bit more boring, and Wes mentioned it earlier, but I always liked it when I first heard it was that Peter Serafinowicz was the voice of Darth Maul. Because when I first heard that, that was just very amusing to think that he'd done that. It, it's weird, actually, as well, because I think watching this is probably the first time, got to be 10 years plus since mm. I last watched The Phantom Menace. And now it's so clearly Peter Serafino. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And it's, yeah, it's just 
especially and especially because they end up getting because in space he ended up they ended up giving him the same lines. Yeah. At last we shall have our revenge. Mm. And it's <laughs> like that that does add a lot to it. The, the space yeah, oh, definitely. connection. Definitely. Definitely. Um anyone else got any tidbits? Um in Watto's junkyard. You see it very yep. briefly as they walk through as one of the full-size EVA pods from the film 2001 mm. in the oh. junkyard. Now, I've never spotted that. I, I, I did it right at the back. It. I Close did spot the, the ETs. It's sort of up on its end like that. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh. Well, in 20 years' time, when I watch it again for the anniversary episode <laughs> of uh, Moss Eisley Happy Hour, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> but will you watch 2001 first? Oh, fucking hell, I haven't got... Do you think I'm made of time, Chris? You're a parent, you know that you can fuck all. I, I no appreciate that perspective. No way I'm watching like four hours plus of reasonably entertaining films. <laughs> <laughs> I've got another interesting fact. Go on. When you see the beauty shots of Naboo from the yeah. outside and there's all the waterfalls... Because water doesn't scale in a model, they use sand instead. <laughs> so hell. that's sand because water doesn't scale. Yeah, because you can't so, scale it because they, they use mirrors a lot in modern shots, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Because water, you can't. Yeah, you can't sort of scale it down or anything. And um, fire. <laughs> and I and I have and I spotted the ETs in the pub in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, because there's some there's some good ones in there. There's the there's the three eyed guys from uh, Return of the Jedi. Re-ease is yeah, <laughs> yeah, Reese. That's it. Yeah, mm. but I mean, you know, I think so. I think we should accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. Uh, Wes, uh, favorite scene, yeah. favorite performance, or bits. <laughs> I do like the ending with all the, you know, the, the fight with Darth Maul, but I do, I absolutely love the very first beginning when you've got all the droid decars and the lights and the cutting through of the door and everything. Cause that was the first time oh. we'd seen anything like that. And I thought that was really great because I still love that bit at the very beginning. Yeah. And in terms yes. of best performance, um, I think it's Liam Neeson. He really shines hmm. out from that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not his. It's definitely not his greatest. It's not his greatest performance. No. But I, I re- coming back to it now, I really warmed to Qui Gon. Yeah. Above anyone else, I mean, apart from the Emperor, but I'm really, I've really got. A oh yeah, he's just great. He's <laughs> just great. He's such a fucking shit. But yeah, actually, of people you're meant to be on their side, definitely. Although I yeah. also quite like, I also quite like the fact where it's like, you know, um, uh, Amidala's having a bit of a moan up, and it's like, yeah, you you keep moaning up there as you're eating a slave's rations, where you've pulsed a <laughs> night in, yeah, your highness. So I also got stuck in my head. I kept going, your highness, your highness. Um, <laughs> But uh, so, Chris, what do you think? Well, what are you thinking in terms so of? So I was, yeah, I was going to go with Ian McDermott throughout, 
seeing him mm. as um, Senator Palpatine, just I really like that. I, I like him, you know, he's stuck in my mind mm. forever as the Emperor. And yeah, just seeing more of him was really good. Um, he, he is genuinely cracking. He's, and it's one of those things where he hadn't really done and really done much before Return of the Jedi. I've not really done much sort of he'd done bits and pieces here and there. Mm. But yeah, he, he does really the, struck... this sort of sinister, even as appearing to be a normal human, he just seems like he's got some sort of manipulations going on. He's up to something. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, is Pal so is Palpatine native to Naboo? Because he is their representative in the council, isn't he? Yeah, I think you must be right. I've never really thought about it, but yeah, that makes sense. I think he does use a lot of our and we's when, but then mm. I don't know whether that, I assume, always assumed he was, but when you actually look at it, he's representing them politically until yeah. he becomes a chancellor. He's arguing the case. So I don't know whether he's using like the royal we or mm. I never yeah, looked into that. <laughs> yeah, it, it never sort of occurred to me because it was only when I, it was only when I was watching it I was like, "Oh, so, so are <laughs> you? Is. You're representing them, so you assume mm. that you would be from that world." Yeah, yeah. But he is no... a galactic senate, so yeah, they might yeah, not have their own representative. There. It it might even be like how Europe works, where it's like, yeah. "Oh, you can, you know, you know, like you could be." Um, you could be Tory, but you could stand in like a, a, a European constituency in like Lithuania or something like that. You didn't necessarily have to be in your own native uh, country hmm. to be the uh, elected representative for this. So maybe it works like that. But at this, but at this point, I mean, obviously, we've excited the kids so much. <laughs> With you know, they've not had, not only had a trade embargo, they've also had a brief <laughs> lesson on you know how exactly the Galactic Senate works. Lee, yes. favorite performances, favorite scenes. Uh, so my favorite performance, and I, I thought he was a fantastic bad guy actually, and I was going to see him leave quite so quickly. Uh, but yeah, Ray Park as uh, as the actor of Darth Maul. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought he had a really good look. Um, you know, like he, he had his own special thing with his lightsaber that made him stand out. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic character and I was hoping he was going to be in the next few films. Um, yeah. So I was a little disappointed. Uh, spoiler alert. But that, but that is, yeah, that is back to where this film goes wrong. Like they introduce something fantastic like Darth Maul and he's all set up and he's the mysterious, the Phantom Menace and you're like, oh yeah, something's going to happen here and then it just doesn't. No. By the end, it's like, oh, you just messed it up. <laughs> By the next recording, I'll try and find it again. There was there was a thing, a video that Claire showed me on YouTube, or it might have been TikTok, I can't remember. But it basically it was a guy who said, Oh, they've named Star Wars wrong. And he'd re yeah. he'd repurposed all the titles to the different episodes, <laughs> and they made so much more sense. In the in the way he'd done them, I will find. I'll definitely have to track that down before next episode because, um, yeah, because that's the thing is with this, it's like the Phantom Menace. Is it Palpatine? Is it Maul? Is yeah. it the what? Because I mean, Anakin. obviously, there's the shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. the shadow of Anakin that looks like mm, Darth Vader, uh, Vader the... at one point. Yeah. Um, and actually, this is something that I I. 
because um, obviously I'm a soundtrack obsessive and everything else like that. In the celebration at the end, there's like a, a group. There's like a group of a boys' choir singing. And what they're singing is a major key version of the Emperor's themes. Mm. So it's the one that, that accompanies, like when they're talking to Darth Sidious, and obviously when the Emperor turns up and returns it, that, oh, they've put it into a major key and got a load of, like, a load of choir boys to sing it. And it sounds all like celebratory and great, but basically yeah. the end of it is, hey, hasn't, hasn't Chancellor Palpatine done well for himself? Yeah. Great. I was I was listening to the soundtrack the other day, and it. When you watch the film, you don't notice it, but when you actually listen to the soundtrack, how many times the emperor's, you know, that uh, uh, mm. choral emperor theme actually mm. turns up all the way through that film. Again, that's something that I was trying to work out when I was watching it, because being, I mean, I consider. I think we. I think we can all safely say we're Star Wars fans, and we know, you know, it's not just the films you know bits and pieces or you know like full names of characters who turn up in it who the the, the casual viewer won't know who they are mm. but i remember so even in the cinema i was like are we not meant to know that's the emperor yeah <laughs> even though he's dressed like the emperor yeah. He sounds like the emperor. He's played by the bloke who plays the emperor, <laughs> and em and the emperor's name is Palpatine. I a member, of my, a member of my family, um, not immediate family. Uh, they actually saw the Phantom Menace, and when they come back because they knew I liked Star Wars, they said, "Have you seen it?" And I went, "Yeah." He went, "So who do you think that bloke is in the cowl?" <laughs> <laughs> And they've seen all the films. That's worrying. So, it's worrying. Yeah. But then, but then again, I don't think like, I don't think they ever call him Emperor Palpatine in the films. It's in universe, no, and it was don't. always there. Yeah. But they never refer to him in Return of the Jedi. So I think, you know, I think that's what they're aiming for. But it's so. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I was thinking about this today. It was was it was it designed. To for the casual Star Wars, you know, mm. the, the normal mm. person off the street, you know, oh, mystery, or yeah, but a little nod to us, the fans, that you can expect yeah. this because yeah. by that time we all knew that yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker were going to have a fight on top of a volcano, and that's mm. how it ended because that was yeah. established yonks before, and everything no. was following pattern. So I don't know. Was it? I think it was there for us to know and other people to marvel at. I think. I think it was also. I think there was also the element where it was. They were thinking, well, this might be, this might genuinely be someone's first Star Wars film. Mm. So for but, that person. So even then, did but did you need to know it was him during those parts? I, I Could they not have kept did, it but I think secret it was enough? Just sort of. I, I yeah. was never quite sure whether you're meant to know. Do you think if someone you said George I mean. Lucas, look, this is getting a bit complicated, and he's like, oh, I know, I'll fix that bit, and he fixed the worst bit. <laughs> and actually, it was all bit, the other it's stuff. It's getting a bit complicated, and he say, can you, look, look, I know it's getting a bit complicated, but we've only got Brian Blessed in for an afternoon, 
and we're going to make him CGI. Why are you doing this, George? <laughs> There's a couple of fundamental problems with the plot. You know, can we look at that? Can you find I mean, something I, better I... to give the uh, the Gungans at the end? They've saved your planet and you give them a plasma ball from Argos, like 15 quid's worth. Like, what a fucking kid. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. That's the, that's the bit that dates it. You know, it doesn't doesn't matter that anything else that takes place in that film, but yeah, they, they receive a plasma ball as uh, a, you know, it's not not even a USB one. <laughs> Wouldn't have been a USB one. That's shocking. That is terrible. Well, it is if you break the glass and touch the element, but there we go. The I think the the one thing I would say, and apparently, because obviously there's 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 a bit of an age gap with Anakin and Amadala, but. Apparently, Anakin was meant to be 12. And mm. Lucas m- made him younger so that he would, it would, the separation from his mother would have more feeling to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would argue at 12 years old, I'd have still been quite disturbed to be separated from my family, yeah. <laughs> from my parents, you know. But I mean, George was obviously thinking, well, by the time I was 12, I wanted to force <laughs> them. Um, <laughs> Perhaps he and thought Anakin was going to be round the back of what I was workshops smoking death sticks, mm. <laughs> and then he wouldn't give a shit about it. But that's yeah. the thing is, I wonder is that how they should have gone with it? Should she have turned up and found him? And he's it's like the pod race because obviously George Lucas did um, what is it American Graffiti, which was all like mm. drag racing and stuff like that. Should it be like Greece? Should they turn up and like Anakin's like? one of the T-Birds. Yeah. <laughs> and they do the pod... and But it makes more sense with the pod racing and sort of stuff like that, yeah. that he's like some sort of cocky teenage... And Zuko. He should be, yeah, he, yeah, he should be... He should be like Han Solo. He should be Han Zuko. Uh, yeah. Hideous cockbreed of Harrison Ford and John Travolta. But is it just... <laughs> he really has tried to make it for young kids and adults and just I, kind I of missed gonna... the mark... So the other thing I was going to say is that I made a note of, as we were saying, you know, the, the, the first films did so well, did they try and aim it at kids? Is that why there's so many droids in this? Because obviously yeah. it's a you, but you can have Jedis running around cutting hundreds of droids mm. off, and you can show that to a kid. Whereas if it's people yeah. killing people, so, you know, did they make it for the snowflake generation? Well, let me say I that, but I just... I just put on Attack of the Clones, and the very first scene is um, the, <laughs> an explosion, the getting exploded. <laughs> yeah. And my wife was like, uh, "No, that's not quite." And uh, my daughter was like, "What? What's happened?" I was like, "Okay, better turn that." Then you thing. just and then you said, "That's all right. They've just blown up here and I Then she went, "Oh, that's all right. Fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. for that." <laughs> oh no, is that so it's, it's a funny mixture. Yeah. I think I with also, the Phantom Menace, one of the problems with it is is it's that. Was it made for the fans? Was it made for a new audience? Because mm. all the components of Phantom Menace work, but put them together and it's just chaotic. Mm. There's no, who's it made for? What is the mm. audience for? Uh, well, I think, again, they've seen Star Wars as a family thing, but somehow I don't, it's almost like you've, it's like you say, it's like you say, it's almost like they've got, right, this department. You make the thing that the five-year-olds will like. Yeah. This department, yeah. you make yeah. the thing that the 
the sort of twenty somethings will like, or you know, you you do this uh, and so on and so forth. And it's but surely, a, yeah, he didn't do that for a new hope. I think that was aimed really at sort of teenagers and I older. Think it, was it wasn't aimed, really aimed at young it was just kids. Aimed at moviegoers. Mm. Yeah, especially, especially when you think about it, because in America, I think apart from like a what is it like what whatever the equivalent of an eighteen is over there, mm. all of all of the rating system is basically you can go in as long as you're accompanied by an adult. Mm. So unlike over here where we had fifteens and eighteens, basically unless it was like X rated. You could go and see, it. and even like even even in that circumstance, I think you could go and see like if your nan took you to see The Exorcist, you'd get in because your nan was with you. So <laughs> you know, and I think maybe that's maybe that's something that got altered or lost. But the one thing I mean, like talking to Claire uh, when when we were watching it the other night, is I just don't think that Anakin feels Claire. Claire put it very well. Everyone tells you that Anakin's special, but he doesn't Do feel special. Yeah. You know, he's sort of, he's a, he's a kid. Like, he's just, a, he's like a cute kid with a bowl cut. He doesn't, like, have any, there's no sort of edge to him or anything that kind of demonstrates anything other than, oh, here's a nine-year-old boy. Yeah. He looks like a you new know. potato with a fringe. <laughs> he does and that's a tragedy on all levels and I think mm. but, and again I think it's the there is a, a weird sort of like when he's in the pod race and again it might just be the poor little sod's age I don't know I mean when you've got like Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor and clearly a bit sort of what 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 are we doing now George <laughs> and then you've got essentially uh, you know a little boy who George is not saying, right, you're really determined in this bit or you're really scared in this bit or whatever. If he's just letting him do his own thing, he's fucking nine. He's just going to sit in a seat and press buttons and it doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> you you never get... <coughs> I know he's not in a pod race. I'm a grown-up. I know those aren't <laughs> real things. But you never feel that he's in, in the pod. No, and you never feel that he's in the spaceship when that when he goes up to the um, trade ship, yeah, like the the blockade ship. You never feel it's anything other than like it's like you know when you go to Disneyland or Museum mm. of the Moving Image, which has just really aged me. I know, or you you know where you could go and do like oh you can be like Superman, go and lay on that blue thing, and then you look at that monitor and you're flying. Mm-hmm. It feels like that. It never feels like it's actually, you know, that a yeah. film is being made in a way. So... It feels like he's the special guest in a production. Maybe, yeah, it feels like Jim movie. fixed it for him. It feels yeah. like he's a Blue Peter winner. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like they had an auction and it was like, whoever collects the most milk bottle tops gets to be in Phantom Menace. Was this film and unfortunately, by the Make Wish Foundation? Yeah, and unfortunately, <laughs> rather than making him like Anakin's mate, they gave him Anakin's role. <laughs> and, you know, and it's maybe, I think, yeah. I, yes, I think that's probably... The one thing that I come away with this, though, and it's a memory that seems to be to a lot of people, um, of seeing this in the cinema 
they, they confront Darth Maul, and you're thinking, thank fuck for that. I've been waiting two hours for this. And then the other blade comes out. Yeah. And you feel an entire cinema go, ooh. <laughs> you know, and that's... <laughs> and I think that's a moment. And years and years ago, there used to be a comic shop called... What was the comic shop in Lakeside called? Was, was it in The Void? Or something like that, or beyond the it was, void. Yeah, it was, in, it was. It was either the void or into the void. Yeah, and I remember. I remember going down to Lakeside one night, and I wandered in there, and there was literally one person and the guy behind the counter, and it was obviously his mate. He wasn't in there shopping. He was just in there keeping his mate company. And as I go through the doors, I hear this exact words. So he spends all that money on an eight foot tall frog. And the real star of the film is a geezer who can do eye kicks with felt tip on his face. <laughs> and I knew they meant Phantom Menace. <laughs> so, and yeah, I think that's all it that's all it need would have not I mean, you know, we obviously all of us as a, as filmmakers and highly successful filmmakers, <laughs> we stand in judgment on George. Mm. You know, because obviously <laughs> obviously we have that position. And I have to say, the one thing I was really glad about when watching this was just the fact that the fucking internet was in its infancy. <laughs> because can you imagine the whiny maggotry oh. that would have gone on with Phantom Menace? You know, we all sat there and said, yeah, Jar Jar Binks, that's wank, isn't it? Or, yeah. oh, that bit in space where he's saying about the Phantom Menace, that was great, wasn't it? But you would be so, you would feel so much more well disposed to it if you'd had to wade through a thousand and ones people's well, we're starting a campaign and we're, we're going to get signatures for them to remake it because it's not all that. And it's like, <laughs> they're the filmmakers. What fuck, what right do you have to do that, you twat? They've made a film. It's their vision, like. however flawed. So, yeah, exactly. You I know, think, it's the, I it's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think the problem with this is, uh, and it is something we'll definitely have to address more and more as the series continues. Um, is that, yeah, these films came out when we were kids and you can't forget that. So you always mm. had that, you know, when the film came out and you were seven years old, it was, it was your universe and it was everything and you loved it in its entirety. Now that you're a jaded old man in his, you know, 30s or yeah. 40s and these films come out, you're not going to be seven years old again. It doesn't matter how good that film is, you'll never be seven years old again and see it with that excitement. And that's what's missing, I think. I mean, even the new ones it... that are great, people shit all mm. over those. And mm. some of them yeah. are fantastic movies. But isn't it that we know what George was capable of and it seems like it, you know, it would have been so nice to have had something similar to those and, and he just wanted to do something different. I wonder also if it's just... Because obviously the first film, he really had to fight tooth and claw, mm -hmm. like to get everything. But even when he... you look at, even when you look at the original scripts for it, it, it evolved so it changed much a lot, yeah. from the script. Yeah. Hell of it! I mean, yes. it was more Phantom Menace like than it was yeah, New Hope. That is originally. true. But so, so why is that? Was he was he convinced by others to, to make adjustments? This is the thing is, I think I just wonder if it's you I... get you get less and less people. Less, less and less people saying no. Willing to, yeah. You just thought yeah. that must have happened, but, but yeah, because I mean, some of the original ideas seem ridiculous now. 
<coughs> they, they sound awful. Well, the budget as well, you've got to imagine. You know, yeah. when he was making it as an independent film, that film is the best-looking thing that ever come out at that point. And mm. it's still, there's films that come out 10 years later that yeah. look crap by comparison. Mm. So the, a lot of the stuff, as you say, that were his more fantastic ideas, he obviously had to scale it all in. Otherwise, he was going to have, you know... But- Everything would look rubbish if you have to remove money from everything. We, we can see some of this, though, because of the way he went back and remade them. And I'm pretty sure there's not many people that really like the remakes. No. The, and I so the one, it's like the when, when he's got the money to do what he really wants to do and he doesn't have people telling him no, then it does seem like he makes a few mistakes. Well, I think also, so maybe, weirdly enough, sorry. his sense of humour, uh, like what he finds funny... The, he like didn't when try, it suddenly, yeah. oh, what, what if what if Chewie sounded like Tarzan at that point? Well, it'd be shit, wouldn't it, Joe? Yeah. But no one told him that. <laughs> Everyone just went, great idea, Mr. Lucas. But yeah, I th- <laughs> but then there's and also, but it's also like the classic story that Stephen they sh- he showed like he was mates with. Francis Ford Coppola and Scorsese and all the, the big sort of outers of the 70s. And when he showed them Star Wars, and this was without music, without... And actually, all the effect shots were spliced in bits from, like, old World War Two movies. Mm. So he yeah, was having to explain to them, oh, right, that's, that's what's going to look mm. like. That Stuka bomber's going to be a spaceship and that's going to mm. be a spaceship and so on and so forth. And the only person who got it was Steven Spielberg. And let's face it, Steven Spielberg tends to make, you know, Decent films sci-fi. that the public love. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he was mm. the only one who saw it. The rest of them were like, this is, this." sorry, George, but you've fucked <laughs> up. This is going to be a disaster. And yeah, but, I, but and then interestingly enough, he then kind of hands the reins over. Empire Strikes Back is not directed by him and no. neither is Return of the Jedi. He's still the overriding owner of the property and the main ideas man, but it's still translated through other people. But he didn't even write people. the next two on his own, did he? He had, no. um, was it Lawrence Kasdan, I think? I can't remember the name. Yeah, that He co-wrote cool. Return and um, oh, I can't remember Empire, but um, I mean, even Empire, that isn't actually really the sequel to Star Wars. The sequel that was penned was Splinter in the Mind's Eye. That was supposed oh, right, to be okay. the sequel. But we'll mention well, that when we get to that, I, I suppose. Say, yeah, <laughs> definitely, because that, that that, you have intrigued me strangely. and I, want I think to I own that, that as a book, as well. but I haven't read it. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think that I think all in all, gentlemen, I think we've pretty much covered this in a big pile of banter doo doo. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it was still Star Wars. It was still yes, that is. You know, I still watch it regularly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing is, that, like I say, I've watched it for a long, long time. Yes, it needs cutting. Yes, it needs tweaking. But in essence, I still came out of the cinema and had a lightsaber fight with uh, you mm. and Dean, Wes. Um, <laughs> and we were, what, 21? 
<laughs> so we obviously were, you know, it obviously managed to regress us far enough back. That, do, do you uh, remember you know. the story of me, my brother Damien, and the dressing gown and the lightsaber? Please tell it because I would love to end on that story, and I, I didn't want to bring it up just in case you didn't want to, but please <laughs> tell fine. a, a I loving mind. audience. <laughs> Go I, for it. I sir. have no dignity. <laughs> I, You're on this show, yeah. <laughs> I had a lovely, great big dressing gown. It didn't come with a hood, so I used to put it over my head like that. And I had a double-edged lightsaber, the one that Adam got me. And my brother was in the bunk bed, and I decided I was going to launch myself Sith style at him, twirling my uh, double-edged lightsaber. <laughs> the only trouble is, as I came towards him, I fell. My dressing gown opened, and my brother got a mouthful of my junk. <laughs> It's not easy being a <laughs> And on oh. that note. And on that, <laughs> and on that yeah. Well, don't run with you. a lightsaber. <laughs> no. Run. Don't walk from a man in a dressing gown and very little else. <laughs> well, um, yes. Well, gentlemen, I think that we've, I think we've we've gone through that very well, and I'm glad to say that I think that we may have a series here, George. So <laughs> you know, um, join join us again in two weeks' time for Attack of the Clones. Um, and uh, yeah, other than that, Happy New Year, everyone, and good night to you all. Good night. Good night. Good night. May the force be with you. Always. Always. <laughs> yeah, always in every way. <laughs> oh, May I the force to be with you. Obi Wan's bloody rat tail. Oh yeah, because it gets mm. cut off, doesn't it? He has to cut that off because that proves that he's a Padawan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, where are we going to do out of ten as well? Oh shit! Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Come back, everyone. We haven't gone yet. <laughs> turn around. Yeah. Turn around. Get out the car. Turn them around. Turn around. <laughs> That's no moon. It's a cock up. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're going to blow this thing and go home, um, gentlemen. Uh, Chris, your rating. Uh, what's your, uh, out of uh, ten midichlorians? What is your rating of this? Well, I'm going to give it six point five. I think they did a serious effort, you know, great production. Um, it's got lightsabers and, yeah, it's a fun film. Just don't worry too much about the details. Lovely. Uh, Lee, you're uh, ten, uh, out of ten midichlorians. Uh, I'm going to go with five. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so again, it had, it had some good parts and if it had been 45 minutes long it would have been excellent um and <laughs> nothing else of any interest really takes place uh, you know we discover anakin for the first time and we found out that palpatine's up to no good and pretty much that's all we take away to the next movie so i think five out of ten <laughs> of two and hours and 20 minutes is fair fair dues wesley i will give it a six because mm-hmm. you've got to start somewhere and with this film, it, it shows you what things were like before the fall. So, you, you know, you've got to start your journey somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join Lee sitting on an even five. I feel it brings balance to the force. Um, for every 
for every bit that pees me off, there's a bit that excites me. For and you can't help but feel that everyone's giving a shit, which is definitely half the battle, especially if you're working against blue screens and also anyone is being expected to to stand next to Ian McDermott and not be acted off the fucking planet. <laughs> so, yes, I'm going to go with a five with that. So I believe uh, in Life After Love. Uh, I believe that gives that uh, that gives the Phantom Menace a very healthy 22.5 out of 40. So we should at the moment it's at the top of the leaderboard, but that's because <laughs> no other fuckers on the leaderboard. So we shall continue uh, and see what happens with Attack of the Clones. So much like the end of the Phantom Menace, where if you continue to the end, there's a wee bit of the Imperial March, and then you hear Darth Vader breathing over the end credits. We had a false ending there, so we'll say goodnight again. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's the first night. Yes. We're less organised than during. See, we should have recorded episode four first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're fools. Full stress hills. <laughs> right. Well, good night, everyone, and thank you for listening. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.